and welcome to Futures Focus, a fantasy baseball podcast centering around all the top prospects in the game, brought to you by Prospects 1500. My name is, let me see if I remember it, <laughs> Alex Sanchez, and I am back after a very long hiatus uh, here with my great, great co-host who uh, hosted wonderfully last week, Nate Eckert. And oh. with us as a special guest today is the great Sean Kernahan, who's going to talk about the draft. And uh, you can't find a better person talking about the draft. So, uh, gentlemen, welcome in. Nate, how's it going? Long time Excellent. no talk. Excellent. Long time no talk, buddy. It's so good to hear your voice, I got to say. Um it gets me it gets me in the mood to chat about some uh, some draft prospects and Shawnee. Uh, long long time no talk, my friend. We just uh, sat next to one another during the draft, uh, all of what five days ago, six days ago. Yeah, I, like I was gonna say, Alex, you got the uh, you may have had a uh, hiatus from Nate, but I had to uh, share a table with uh, with him just a week or so ago. So. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. Well, uh, let me just go. Let me go ahead and just talk about something uh, about that hiatus. So the reason why we haven't had uh, basically I looked on here. June 2nd was the last episode that we've done. It is now July 17th. Um, Unfortunately, my father passed away on June 23rd. Um, So I did not have time, number one, to sit down and uh, give you listeners a good podcast and number two I, I just didn't feel like it was the right time to jump on and act like everything was okay when everything really wasn't um he had a, a battle with pneumonia and it was a, a prolonged hospital stay and we thought there was days where we thought it would be getting better and there was bad days and then eventually uh june june 23rd um dealing with that pretty difficult time but um after several weeks i do feel like it is time to come back and try to get back onto the path of normalcy um although it's going to be a different different world for me now um i i loved my dad obviously as most of us probably do um he was a a great guy in fact probably uh the reason why i'm doing podcasts and writing is due to him he was an english teacher and a tv journalism teacher at Trawick for 35 years and he every week he did a, a news show for the school and had graphics and um all the special effects which is saying something because it was like in the late 90s <laughs> um um so he was doing that and now it's super easy i mean he, like you could just get all sorts of stuff uh the but he kind of pioneered that for for middle school kids and had them hands-on i remember going into his studio and stuff like that so uh this this episode will be dedicated to him a tribute in sorts. Um, but that was the reason why we, uh, we're we not going anywhere. I think uh, maybe I should have come out and, and said, you know, hey, guys, we might not be recording for a while. So I apologize if uh, we had some people that were following us and, and just kind of gave up. I hope that's not the case. So we'll be back here on a weekly basis. And uh, so, yeah, clear in there for that. Let's get on to some news and notes i've been missing this so we have some call-ups even from last week and I, last week nate you had i think i counted 89 <laughs> different pieces of uh news and notes of prospects <laughs> i know yeah um, yeah and, and that was yet, pick, that was picking and choosing that was picking and choosing and yet we still have a ton of call-ups this last week 
Uh, let's go over one of your guys. In fact, you've had uh, you proposed this trade to me. In fact, I, I'll get around to rejecting it soon enough. But it is for Andy <laughs> Rodriguez, the true catcher, as Henry Davis is now in the outfield. Andy uh, Rodriguez is going to get the bulk of the catching starts. And he hasn't had a fantastic year um, per se. We might, uh, I know you probably predicted him to come a little bit earlier up in the year, Nate, when you said your pirates were going to make the playoffs. That looked really good. Not as (laughs) not so much anymore, but give me uh, your quick thoughts on what to expect with Andy Rodriguez going forward. Well, let me just say um, first and foremost, Alex, it's great to have you back, man. Um, And I'm really glad that, that, that we're back so and i hope that we didn't lose anybody but um you know if we did that's no big deal because it we did the right thing so it's it's great to have you back bro um secondly uh andy um i think andy is figuring things out a little bit i think he should have gotten called up last year actually so um i'm not i'm not too uh i'm not too afraid of the call up um, this year, even though he's kind of struggling a little bit, if he figures it out, he went over, I'm pretty sure tonight, but if he figures it out, it'll be on the biggest stage, which will be a huge, uh, confidence boost. And I don't really think he had a whole lot more to prove in AAA. So, uh, I'm glad to see him up and, uh, hopefully he does well. As a counter to the pirates calling up the reds, we're not going to be outclassed and they had a call up of their own. Um, he making his debut tonight. In fact, the game has been suspended uh, currently. He's 0 for 2. It's Christian Encarnacion Strand. Um, if you've seen the back of his jersey, it's just Encarnacion, so not super long and crazy. <laughs> but uh, super excited. I, I This was one that's taken forever. Um, Sean, let me get your thoughts. Like, how late uh, or how surprised are you that this is this late in the year that we're seeing Christian Carnacion strand? Or do you think that this was the plan all along and um, that there's some holes in his game that maybe we should be concerned about? The fact it's taken this long screams that it's been the plan all along because, you know, they've been calling for it for a month, six weeks. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of bummed they didn't go hip to hip with the Encarnacion strand. That was a good, that would have been a great look. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I'm, I have them all sorts of places. I'm super excited. Um, but, you know, to get him in the lineup, you, you saw Spencer Steer take the night off. Um, there's just a lot of bats to to get some playing time in there. Um, and I and I and we love Joey Votto, Hall of Famer. But, you know, he's kind of clogging up this, the, what this lineup's going to look like in the future and what the Reds are trying to do now. So... <laughs> Um, I don't know. I'm not. I'm sure he's going to play the majority of the time, but I'm very excited. I think you're I think you're right. This was the plan all along. The Reds were not going to listen to what we were hoping for. Now, um, a couple other uh, call ups was uh, from the Orioles side. They're finally kind of calling up all these guys here. Uh, Colton Kowser, Jordan Westberg are now up kind of frustrating with these two as well they're they're playing like the majority of the games but not all the games Westberg is sitting tonight against the Dodgers I saw Kowser was off on Sunday so uh what do you think Nate are they gonna make an impact do you see them being called uh, back down uh, what's what do you think the plan is here for the Orioles um 
I, I see Westberg uh, as long as he keeps getting consistent at bats, and that's kind of what is the crux of it. Um, as long as they can get consistent at bats, and I, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't play these guys all the time. Um, but it seems like they're being a bit tentative. And uh, after the Grayson Rodriguez debacle, uh, who knows how they're going to handle these guys after a little bit of uh, non-success. Uh, I'm I'm not nearly as high on uh, either of them as I was prior to the call-up, but that's just short. That's definitely just short-term. Um, long-term, I think they'll be fine. But for the rest of the year. Uh, I'm not too excited about, uh, about either of them really. Look like Aaron Hicks, um, Adam Frazier, Ramon Urias. These are the guys that are kind of playing in front of them at certain points. So, and like, I get it. They're veterans and you kind of need that veteran presence. Hicks batting 229. Frazier batting 238. Yeah. I, mean, we, I should mention Jorge Mateo as well. You know, none of them are lighting the world on fire. The best player is going to play moving forward. So whoever, and they, Westberg and Kowser are certainly not off to crazy starts either. So they're all just kind of equal right now. But uh, yeah. yeah. And then over to you, Sean, you mentioned him while we were kind of discussing podcast here with Quinn Priester being called up for the Pirates. I used to like him a lot. Then I sort of gave up on him and uh, <laughs> I haven't really gotten back on the train. That's not to say that he doesn't have some potential. He's got great, great stuff. I just figured uh, when I was kind of get diving into him, he didn't really uh, know how to use the arsenal effectively enough. So what do you think now, Sean? Uh, not a great debut, five earned runs tonight um, against the Guardians, which is, you know, not not the hardest matchup in the world. So what are your thoughts with Quinn going forward? Is it a little early for him or this is about the right time? You know, for me, Quinn Priester is one that I've been so all over the map on. Um, you know, when he was drafted in 2019, I thought they would went the drafted him too early at 18. I, he wasn't. I didn't love him out of high school. Um, and then he, he, you know, kind of proved me wrong throughout the minors. Uh, saw him in the Futures game in Colorado a couple years ago. The, the stuff is electric. Um, there's just always been that lack of polish, and that's po- that's what kind of sh- uh, shined through here again tonight. I I think that it's the right time is you know the, unfortunately for Pirates fans the Pirates aren't going anywhere anytime soon, so it's time to get some of these guys the the action. But uh, you know he's gonna he's definitely gonna to you know wear his lumps and and have some struggles. Um, I think he turns into a a decent you know mid rotation type of guy, so. Definitely a rosterable guy. I just don't think uh, he's somebody that you're going to be counting on starting and start out. Yeah, I agree. I think that's really well put. Um, and then two other guys that I wanted to mention. Actually, I want to mention uh, Jackson Merrill first, and I'll get to the other A's prospects that were called up because we do have some of our midseason rankings being released here shortly at the site, Prospects 1500. So... Um, I actually had Jackson Merrill in tier two in the preseason and I bumped him up to tier one. Now, um, he also got the bump to double a, um, so with Jackson Merrill, the, every write-up I think I've done with him for the last two years was I need to see him lift the ball more and then I'll get on board. And that's exactly what he's done this year. He's up to 10 home runs, 
Uh, he's lifting the ball, making a concerted effort. Like it's so obvious he's trying to do that. So with that piece of the puzzle now very clearly in place, I do think that Merrill is a, a top, easy top 50 prospect, um, probably even a top 30 guy moving forward. And he's in tier one for me. I also have another player in tier one, but you'll have to check the site for that to see who mm. that might be. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't vote. I'll just say that <laughs> he is not eligible to vote. Um, let's go to the Oakland A's. This is probably going to be a lot of call-ups in the next couple of weeks. I'd imagine, I'd hope for the sake of the 4,000 A's fans that we have coming to the games, um, Zach Geloff and Tyler Soderstrom, two guys that um, have been popular in many circles around uh the prospects 1500 riders. I know I really have liked Soderstrom for quite a while. Um, Sean, what do you think of uh, those two going forward? Um, if you had to uh, give me a guess, kind of how they perform for the rest of the year, what do you think? Um, if, if you're just talking this year, uh, I, I lean Geloff. Um, you know, Soderstrom, I think is going to have the better career, but you know, it makes it in between first base and catcher and with, you know, a thousand different catchers that the, uh, A's do have in their system. It, there's just gonna be there's gonna be some some ups and downs there. I think uh, Geloff is a more polished hitter overall, um, but I think long term Soderstrom is the best bet. But if you're talking about just this year, it's definitely gonna be Geloff, yeah. um, which actually is a name that we'll be talking about later on as well, just with a different mm. first name. Mm-hmm. Foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, Geloff seems like a major leaguer um, on some way or the other whether it be a utility guy or a, a regular um and then soderstrom has obviously the higher uh, ceiling he his power has just really developed more so than i ever imagined that it would be um perhaps at the expense of his hit tool um 254 at double a but 20 home runs i never saw that i always saw him at like you know maybe 20 home runs for the season in like a 280 ish guy but he sort of flipped that to be more power first which is fine that's uh you know that's going to play well in las vegas uh as soon as he gets out of oakland so maybe he'll bring that (laughs) franchise to light um uh, in sin city so here's the plan gentlemen let's go ahead and move on from the news and notes and get to the gist of our episode so with the draft wrapping up um these guys now are prospects, and we need to find out where they go on top 100 list. Now, not all the guys we discussed today may make the top 100 list, but that's okay. We can still compare them to top 200 list, whatever you want. There's no hard number we have to have. So we're just going to try to fit them amongst the prospects that we do have and know uh, are you know roughly where they're at on a list and see who might be ahead of them and who might be behind, be behind them. I don't think a lot of people do first-year player drafts right now, although I'm sure there's a few leagues out there. Um, mine usually happen in the offseason. Some happen in a few months, whatever it may be. So this also gives you an idea of like, okay, should I trade my first-round pick for uh, player X or player Y or a combination? And then hopefully this episode gives you some uh, information for that. So we this is a loaded draft, and let's start with that, Sean. Um, top to bottom, how does this draft compare to previous years? This year was the culmination of 2020. Um, in 2020, we had the five round draft, um, 
guys like Dylan Cruz, who went uh, number two to the Nationals, is a guy who was, you know, I wrote up a report on him in his, his senior year of high school. He was a guy who didn't do great in the showcase circuit, was probably sitting round two. Uh, if you would have had a good high school season, would have jumped into the first round. Ends up an easy decision to go to Louisiana State. You know, and then at LSU goes all world there and becomes one of the best you know prospects we've seen in some time. The a lot of guys ended up in school that wouldn't have otherwise, which is why the top of the draft is was so loaded. Um, there was an absolute drop off. It was the top five, um, and then to me there was uh, Brett Louder was a kind of a tier of his own, and then and then there was a really a drop off, but the number of guys who I think could are, are legitimate prospects. And to me, a prospect is a guy who has a chance of making it a real chance of making it into the major league baseball. This was kind of an all timer as far as just the number of guys we could end up seeing make a major league baseball debut. Um, it was an all timer in terms of the top of the draft, but the middle of the draft, it, it had, it, it had its, uh, its lulls, it had its weak spots, but overall um, the, the depth as far as number of guys who are quality prospects and that top it might be among the top, you know, best top fives uh, we've ever seen. Yeah. As we were preparing for this and I was thinking over where these guys slot in, I can't remember a draft where we had this many like top 20 potential guys right away. So pretty insane. And then Nate, um, you were at the draft. And I think that's pretty unique. I, I don't know of a lot of podcasts that, the host is able to attend. So hmm. tell me what you thought, what you learned, any cool stories that you might have from your experiences mm-hmm. at the draft this year. Um, yeah, I have mixed feelings now, Sean, maybe you could back me up about this. Um, this year. So I went last year, of course, also to the L when it was in LA and that was a star studded like event. And granted it was my first draft, um, so I was extra excited, but really it was a star studded affair. Uh, a lot of the players showed up. It was like 20 or something like that in LA. They had the, uh, the players, uh, lounge area it was really cool, really swanky, etc. This year, MLB did a really great job of finding an excellent venue in, um, Lumen field. Uh, it was outdoors um, but the stage was gorgeous. They tried to make it like this Northwest, um, like frozen river or something like that, but it worked, it worked really well. And, uh, what, what they did way better than they did in LA was they had like a whole section for fans who just wanted to come and watch. And there were a ton of people that showed up. In fact, the entire operation felt like it was twice the size, at least maybe even three times the size of L.A. because it felt like we were really cramped uh, two years ago. This year, there was plenty of space. Um, we had our, our nice table, Sean and I. But then what happened was only like six draftees showed up to the draft. So it's like you're all dressed up with nowhere to go and – you're all excited, but you can't talk to anybody because the, I had a lot of questions for a lot of these kids because this was a monumental draft, as Sean was just saying. I mean, the culmination of 2020 and that that ridiculous five-round draft, uh, you know, it's it was a super draft this year. 
And it was a big letdown to me personally because I was really excited to, to get to see and talk to all these kids because you you get an insider scoop on a lot of these guys just by just by seeing them interact with human beings, you know, just watching them and how they carry themselves. Um, I've been very vocal about um, – Justin Crawford and meeting him and Carl Crawford and how much of an impre- uh, impact and impression he made on me. Um, uh, Zach Neto, Tamar Johnson, uh, there were a few of them uh, two years ago that really that, that you could just tell when you looked at them that they they had their stuff together and that they were ready to perform at the next level. Um, I would love to have said said that I uh, was able to talk to Skeens and Cruz and Max Clark, Wyatt Langford. I mean, come on. The list goes on and on. Uh, poor Jacob Wilson. I, I hate to shortchange the kid, but he was the first one drafted. And um, I'm sorry, the first kid that was there that was drafted, um, sixth overall, and he was lambasted by uh, reporters and, uh, you know, it was just uh, the whole thing seemed like it was MLB had the stage set for uh, a mega draft and nobody showed up for it. And it just really left a bad taste in my mouth. I don't know what everybody's deal was. I mean, I get I get LSU being, you know, post all world and winning the calls world series, but you're only going to get drafted once they made history, you know, the first, uh, one, two teammates ever in the history of the draft. Uh, it's just, it was mixed, mixed emotions for me. Um, I will say this though, noble Meyer, um, that kid looks legit. Like, uh, I commented on his shoes. I think on Twitter, he had these ridiculous dunks on, uh, they were just, just so in sync with his outfit. He said he didn't know that he was going to be drafted by the Marlins, but come on, man. He had that tie. Sean and I said this to each other. He had that tie and, and his shoes, and my my God, he was all dialed in. But It was after- a dead-on, the exact same color as that Marlins mascot. I mean, it was there was no messing up whatsoever. It was dead-on. There's no way he didn't know. <laughs> no way. There's absolutely zero chance he had no idea. So, um you know, just seeing him in person, that was impressive because you get to see his frame and his shoulders. So I was already high on Mayer going in. But, man, uh, after seeing him in person, the one of, you know, four I think we saw that day, uh, he he was very impressive to me. Um, but, yeah, just overall a uh, mixed bag of emotions, I got to say. Yeah. That's an interesting thought. Sean, um, what, are your, what are your thoughts for the reasoning behind that? Are these guys just didn't want to bother coming, nervous to come, like to, like to spend it with their families instead? They see how cool that looks um, last year. You know, they're celebrating at home. Yeah. What do you think the reason? I, I, I talked to one guy who was invited. He said he wanted to stay home um, and, and celebrate with, you know, his, his family and whatnot. Um, uh, you know, I think that the Pacific Northwest, it, it's as far from the rest of the country, Seattle is, as really mm-hmm. any other uh, ballpark in, in the country. I don't think that helped. Um, you know, I'm not sure if you guys saw what Max Clark did for his. The entire Franklin community, his entire hometown, through a day-long party. It was insane, and I do not blame him one bit after seeing what he was able to put together. Um, 
But then you go ahead and, and, you know, in the second round, I talked to Colton Ledbetter after he was drafted. And I said, you know, there were a lot of guys who didn't show up. Why did you show up? And he simply said, because this is the only opportunity I'm ever going to have to experience this. Um, you know, to each their own. I, I don't blame anybody for showing up, not showing up. It is absolutely to each their own. Um, I, I would have loved to see more. It was, you know, six guys were drafted. One guy, uh, there were seven guys there. Uh, Duran Watts-Brown didn't get drafted on day one. But, yeah, it was to me, I would have loved to see, especially with a draft like this, uh, I would love to see more guys there. I think next year is going to be the one that tells all about how big this the draft could take off. Being in Texas, being in, in the Dallas area, center of the country, you know, you've got to put this this inside, uh, you know, Jerry's world there in Dallas and, and blow it up. And if if guys don't show up then, then I think we have a problem. This year, I think it was had a lot to do with just the location and whatnot. That's a good point. Good point. Didn't even think about that, but that is definitely a, a reason why maybe some of the, you know, a high school kid might not want to go on there and knowing that he's got to talk in front of people, you know, that that's kind of intimidating too. I know I would be intimidated as a high school guy. It's not like you, you know, in the NBA and the NFL drafts, you, some of them are already in programs that are as big as some NFL teams when you're in Alabama. <laughs> or whatever, and so, um, Anyway, all right, let's get on with where we're going to slot these guys into our lists. Um, I'm very interested to see where our correspondents put these guys on their top 50 list. But I think uh, overall it's a good exercise to try to figure out where these guys go. So we'll kind of alternate back and forth, have a discussion. Maybe we'll, um, for the first couple, give you a, give you both the, the questions. So... Let's start with Dylan Cruz. Uh, we mentioned him already a little bit. Probably the number one overall player for first-year player drafts, I'd imagine, unless you're a little more risk-adverse and um, you don't mind taking the pitcher. But um, Dylan Cruz. Uh, so, Nate, where do you think uh, he might end up for you um, on your top 100 list? Overall... I would put him ahead of definitely. I would put him ahead of Churio. I would put him ahead of James Wood, Jordan Lawler, P. Crow Armstrong. He he would probably pencil in at two overall for me. Hmm. So Jackson Holiday, Dylan Cruz. Yep. Yeah. Marcel, what about yeah. Marcelo Mayer? At, at three. Yep. Okay. Um, what about you, Sean? Do you think he, you can name some guys that you would take ahead of Cruz right now besides Jackson Holiday? Yeah, I mean, for me, he would probably fit. It's the right range, the Churio and Meyer. Um, just based on, and the thing is, I don't think they're all that far apart as far as uh, you know potential debut times. Um, yeah. Given the fact that you know, Cruz is, what, 22? I kind of will just give him that as a tiebreaker, have him fall behind Churio and Meyer. Uh, but I don't really think you can go wrong either way. I think I would take Junior Caminero ahead of Cruz right now, too. Just uh, what he's doing is 20-year-old already in double-A. Like, that's pretty insane. I don't know if I could uh, give up uh, that for Cruz right now. So I, I probably have Cruz... Behind Holiday, Churio, this is assuming, you know, some 
Ellie De La Cruz, Jordan Walker, Yuri Perez graduations too, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would have, I would prefer Holiday, Churio, Caminero, and I think that might be it for me. <laughs> I think I would take him ahead of Marcelo. Um, so yeah, round four or five. Not bad. <laughs> all no, right. No, not bad that at one's all. Pretty, that one's pretty crazy. Let's move on to Paul Skeens. Uh, mm. I love this guy. I think he Me has, too. like, he's ready to go. He doesn't need any minor league innings. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I would have called him up before Quinn Priester, if I'm being honest. But <laughs> 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 he's probably better than Quinn Priester is right now. It's just yeah. pretty insane. So, yeah. um, is he the number one pitching prospect in baseball now that he got drafted, Sean? Yes. End of story. Yeah. I mean, he was he was my number one prospect in the draft. Um, when it comes to the fantasy side of things, I I get it. The the position players are gonna go first. Don't disagree with that whatsoever. As far as pure baseball goes, he was my number one prospect in the draft. No matter how you slice it, he is the number one pitching prospect in baseball. Um, I mean, if the guy hadn't gone to LSU and he had stayed at Air Force and they and stayed a two way player. He would have been a day two draft pick if he was a hitter only. Instead, he's the number one overall pick as a pitcher. I mean, it, the the dude is an insane talent, and he's massive. The six six two thirty five is real. Um, you know, I I've talked to the guys that I, you know I'm local to Air Force. I've been to the Air Force Academy. I've seen Skeens there. The dude the dude's legit. Um, no doubt, number one pitching prospect in baseball. End of story. Like, Nate, is there any weakness in his profile? I can't find one, honestly. No. Uh-uh. No. And this is the thing about Skeens that I, I think is so intriguing above it all is just that aura, you know? He's got that that gunslinger, like, massive monster, like, lumberjack feel to him. You know what I mean? Like, I could just see lineups just going, ah, Skeens is in the, you know, who, who we got – Coming up tomorrow, Skeens. Ugh. You know, nobody wants to face this kid. He's a monster. He's throwing everything at at your head, basically. He's taller than you. He's bigger than you. He's going to take your girl. You know? He's like oh, and those- he, has, he has a better mustache than you. He's got better command yeah. than your pitcher does. Right. <laughs> all of it. He's got He's got all of it. And, I mean, I'm just looking at his picture right now on, on uh, MLP's draft, draft summary. Man, the kid just exudes confidence, and that's exactly what you want in your in your ace, you know, your horse. And I love the fact that this kid's a beast because it, it's like a total throwback, you know. It's like uh, I can't think of anybody right now, but I was thinking like Kurt Schilling as like your your horse, you know. Skeens has that type of build and body where it just doesn't look like he could really do any wrong and he could walk straight through a brick wall. And he's a teammate. Go back to when they won the national championship. The first thing he did was throw his injured catcher onto his back and literally carried him to the dog pot. Yeah, and he's a winner. I mean, he only got better as the competition got better. I mean, the kid steps up. He's a proven winner. I mean, it's just it is it's nuts. It really is. Um, so Dylan Cruz had a fantastic college year and, you know, SEC, you know, what is it? Low A ish type of, uh, maybe, maybe a little bit lower than that, but, and he hit 432, which is pretty cool. 
No yeah. doubt. But yeah. Paul Skeen struck out 179 batters in 99 Ugh. innings. Ugh. And he's six foot six, 235. And only walks 17 batters Ugh. in 99 innings. Oh, my God. Out so, of college? That's so ridiculous. It's insane. Sean, number one pitching prospect. But what if I, because he's back in the minor leagues, Yuri Perez, what if I had you pick between those two right now? Skeens. I, 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 I love Skeens. I mean, there's – he <laughs> put me into a, you know, not just a first year, but just a, a start from scratch draft, and, and I'm targeting him early just to make sure I have him there. The dude is, the dude is real. Um, I've talked to scouts. I've, a couple of guys said, you know, don't. Uh, what about the, the injury concerns? He's a pitcher. He throws 102 miles an hour. Of course, <laughs> his injury concerns. Of course. I actually don't. I don't have a problem with his delivery. I, I, it works for his body. I. Mm-hmm. He's proven durability. Mm-hmm. I. I think that Skeens is going to be a legit ace in Major League Baseball. Yeah. I don't know how he throws that hard with that delivery. It's crazy. It's like he's. It's nuts. Kind of like. Throwing a ball during warmups, you know, and the yeah. sideline, you just kind of fling it. Yeah, go, I think that's what makes it so impressive, though. You know, it's just he's just like it's all him. You know, like, I don't know how else to uh, accentuate all what right. we've already, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Sean. I, I'm <laughs> now. I'm. I'm really want to see what your what how far you would take him. So, um, guys that are roughly, you know, youngerish pitchers. So you said you'd already take him ahead of Yuri Perez. Would you take him ahead of um, Hunter Brown? Yes. Would you take him ahead of Hunter Green? The fact that I'm pausing as much as I am, it tells you everything (laughs) I need to know. I I would lean Hunter Green because I would go Hunter Green just because he has the track record in Major League Baseball. But the fact that I paused that much tells you everything you need to know. Crazy. All right. That's Um, I think if I'm in a first year player draft and I have the first overall pick, I might pick Skeens. Yeah. Yeah. We do a first year player draft with Prospects 1500 every year. If I have the first pick, I will be taking Skeens. Yeah. Nice on record right there. I'm in that same league. And if I get number one, mm-hmm. Oh, do we do it that way? Do we do it random or is it, is it by the order that we I, uh, honestly, I don't even remember. I don't either, <laughs> but I'm I'll on record with, I'm on, I'm on record with you. Uh, Shawnee, I'm going with skeins myself. All right, let's move on to Wyatt Langford. We're not, we're drafting. not going to get, not going to get the confirmation from Alex Sanchez on the. Well, I said uh, it. First. Oh, you said it I, first? I thought Sean I said, said it. it. Yeah. I said, no, I, he I did. Oh, my bad. My bad. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and Shawnee. Shawnee, you taking him first? Yeah. I mean, he said he, he said it too, uh, mate. You got to listen. We are, oh, we, oh it, it, man. It is a clean oh. sweep around here. Oh, man. I'm, I'm Okay. Let's I'm move slipping. on from schemes. Uh, let's go with the top three guys here kind of on my board and then we'll take a break but uh, let's talk Wyatt Langford um he gets popped at number four for the Texas Rangers which is kind of insane mm-hmm. um this guy's gonna be up real real quick too which makes this conversation quite interesting because he's actually gonna be higher on my list I think than um I maybe would have anticipated the number third overall pick would be in in most drafts because 
Um, what I mean, could he be up this year, Sean? Is that crazy? Yes, it, it is crazy. Um, because <laughs> it just it just won't happen. Um, right. based on pure talent, no, I don't think it's completely insane. Uh, the dude had about as much power as anybody in the draft. Um, the big knock on him, uh, was, you know, can he play center? Cause you know, there's you know, basically played mainly left field, uh, for the Gators down the stretch. He was playing center, uh, in the, in the, uh, in the tournament. Um, he had some games where he didn't look great in center. He had some games where he looked solid. Um, I still think he ends up on a corner, but uh, he showed that he can at least play center field. Um, when putting together my top 500 uh, draft rankings i gave real consideration to moving white Langford ahead of dylan cruz um i didn't but again i gave real consideration to it um i think the hit tool is better than people give him credit for the power is real um could he be successful in major league baseball today yes um what is going to happen this year i would d- doubt it um but i wouldn't be surprised if he's up down the stretch next year can I remind you who's playing left field for the Rangers right now? <laughs> it's Robbie Grossman, Travis Jankowski. Like these are this. Uh, I'm gonna go to the playoffs with those two. I didn't say he he's the. Uh, I didn't say he isn't the best left fielding option for them. I just don't think he's gonna be up in Major yeah. League Baseball. How about that? I I can see a Karoloff type of thing where he um, just comes up and debuts in the playoffs. Mm. Why not? Mm. Uh, all right. Where, where would he rank then for you, Nate? And we'll go over to Sean after this. Mm-hmm. Um, what about in like, uh, well, Colton Cowser or Wyatt Langford? What do you think? Mm. In a uh, dynasty, just straight up. Yeah. I, I'll take Wyatt. I'll take Langford. Okay. Over so you Cowser. got him in a top, top 10 ish area. Uh, yes, I do. And you're pretty I high do. on Cowser too. Yeah, I am. I'm very high on Kowser. I, I love Kowser, but I think Langford is too. <laughs> he is a top-notch stud. Yeah, and it like obviously Kowser's up already, but like right, right. Junior Caminero, Jordan Lawler, James Wood, like he's gonna probably beat them to the big leagues, I'd imagine. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. that's into consideration. So what about any of those three names I just mentioned? Caminero, uh, Lawler, Wood. Taking any of them ahead of Langford? Uh, would that that's that's it. That's it. Okay. Yeah. Um, Sean, what about you? Are you in yeah, that I've, same range? I, Disagree. I think I think Wood is kind of that answer. It's it's right in that uh, that range. Um, I think I I I would lean Langford. I still think Langford has a better career. Again, you've got to give credit to a guy who's doing it as a professional. Um, but yeah, I mean that that's that right little that's that right sweet spot. Um. If, you know, you're sitting there and I had to make the decision between Wood and Langford, I would buy as much time as possible like I'm doing right now. It's that close. <laughs> I, I would take Langford ahead of Wood, personally. Ooh. Not Caminero, though, obviously. I think I made that no. quite clear. But yes. <laughs> I would, I think, like, Manzardo I'd rather have. Westberg Kauser I'd rather have. Wow. Jordan Lawler, maybe. Is the guy that I'm sort of thinking about in that range? That would make me th- think. Mm, Evan Carter. Who? Uh, how about that? How about that? Yeah, I was gonna uh, say he he 
He might. Lane yeah. and Evan mm-hmm. Carter are gonna be a pretty good argument for the top of the uh, the Rangers. Oh, prospect. Yeah. Yeah. yeah what's crazier is like Wyatt Langford is older than Evan Carter. <laughs> <laughs> and Evan Carter's uh, is he a switch or a lefty? Just a pure lefty. Um, yeah, they're both they're both lefties. Yeah. Okay. Well, Langford's righty. Is that? Yeah. Oh, Langford's sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. righty. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. And then Carter's the lefty. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, I can't believe he's younger than Langford. That's nuts. So I think Carter has like above average tools all around, and I think Wyatt yes. Langford has above average tool tools all around, and then plus plus power. Yeah. Yep. So I would take Langford ahead of Carter. Fantasy yeah, I think, I think they're tools-wise probably about even across the board, except for the power. It's not close. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, let's take a break, gentlemen, and we'll come back and we'll try to run through as many of these guys as we can within the uh, hour-long segment that we have. Um, so, prospects 1500 here with you. Futures focus. We'll be right back. And we're back going over the 2023 MLB draft and discussing where these guys are going to land up on top 100 lists, top prospect lists. Um, Pretty interesting stuff right now. Basically, you had top uh, 10 prospects drafted in the three spots of the the first three spots of the draft. That's pretty (laughs) insane. You're lucky to get one in the top 10 most years, I would say. Yeah. Um, And it's like, I'm not even worried about putting these three in the top 10 area Mm-mm. so Mm-mm. um but we move on past that tier i think there is obviously a tier drop although potentially when max clark reaches his potential i could see him maybe joining those ranks obviously a lot has to happen with him he's got some development um but let's move on to uh walker jenkins and max clark we'll do, do those two high schoolers together here um Walker Jenkins goes to the Twins at five. Max Clark goes to the Tigers at three. So, uh, Nate, why don't you tell me where you think uh, Walker Jenkins kind of slots in on your top 100 list, and then I'll test you. All righty. Well, I wrote down just, you know, not even really looking at the list. The first thing that came to mind was 55. Now I'm looking at 50s, 55. Um, I could put him up no further than Manzardo. So he's at 38 if I'm looking at MLB. Um, Probably not ahead of Dominguez, Wynn, Acuna. Maybe he's more, let's say 60, 60, let's say 60, 60 range. So with the rankings for him, like his proximity really takes his ranking down for me. Like these other three are going to be up so fast um, that big time. I don't mind wait, you know, picking them and putting them very high. But Sean, for Walker Jenkins, then if, if Nate's putting him in the 50th, 50th range, let's talk about somebody like uh, the debut guy, Edney Rodriguez. Um, Edney Rodriguez or Walker Jenkins for you. Oh, they're different positions, but yeah, I mean, t- 
to me, I, I'm I'm kind of scrolling the MOB's list as well, kind of looking at some of the guys that were the high school guys last year and trying to th- figure out where I would place these guys in compared to their, you know, guys of similar age. Be ahead of Cam Collier. I'd put them up there in that um, Tamar Johnson range. I think that uh, they'd be in that range for me. The, these guys would be top five picks in any draft. Um, so to me, they're they're more early late 20s early 30s i think that they are absolutely ahead of uh andy rodriguez now caveat again they are far away um i actually don't think max clark has all that much development to do i think his game is going to be actually going to develop pretty well he's could move pretty quickly early on um mm-hmm. he's a very polished player he's smooth mm-hmm. there's nothing like it, it, his game is one that just it, it it's smooth it's crisp it's clean uh jenkins is a little bit more of um, you know, if you want to do a comparison, Max Clark is more the Dylan Cruz to Walker Jenkins, more like White Langford in that respect of they're, mm-hmm. it, it, they're a surefire center fielder versus the power guy on the corner. But both of them, I think, would be in that early 30 range, which would put them ahead of Andy Rodriguez. Yeah, I think I might prefer Max Clark over Walker Jenkins um, mm-hmm. because, Nate, this is what you always preach is that the power could come a little bit more than we ever anticipate. And the bat is quick. A little bit older. Yeah. It's quick. Yeah. It's yeah. It's a great, I mean, he was in the, the home run derby in LA. I remember him still showed out. Yeah. So, um, if Walker Jenkins is there, what about Max Clark in like, uh, if we're going off of MLB's list, like the, I'm, I'm well, First of all, do you guys agree Max Clark ahead of Jenkins in like a first year player draft, Nate? Yeah, yeah, definitely. John? Yeah, I'm, I'm yes. a lot higher. I'm a lot higher on on yeah, uh, okay. Clark so than, than Jenkins. What about let's try to stay into an outfielder. What about Sal Freelick or Max Clark? Um, John, why don't you start out with that? See, now you just dropped my single favorite player in the 2021 draft, so I'm not going to go and put him ahead of Freelick. Uh, I, I love myself some Freelick. Um, so, no, in terms of outfielders, he might be the last one um, ahead of Clark, though. Yeah, I mean, now, Pipeline's list, I don't know. It's like George Valera at 28 is like crazy. Yeah, and again, and it, it's also not fantasy-focused, so it's definitely different there, but yeah, I hear you. There. I don't know. I, it's not like Valera is this great defender. I'm not sure why he's on <laughs> either. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, that's that's for another discussion. So, uh, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I mean, I I would probably take Max Clark ahead of Dominguez, honestly, Jason Dominguez. Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. You could probably get something like that, too. J- Dominguez has a lot of name value. I would I agree. I, put Walker Jenkins right in that Dominguez level. Yeah, I, I can't find there. I can't find another outfielder I'd rather have over Max Clark after that. Uh, I might even take him over self Freelick, but you, you're you like him a lot. It sounds like um, let me see here. Sort by outfielders really quick. Just do a check. Yeah, I mean, Pete Crow Armstrong. Or Max Clark. Ooh. Ooh, man. I think I take PCA there. That's I don't close. know. That's really PCA's close. Just kinda, PCA's P- pretty good. P- 
Pete Armstrong's been a prospect for like 30 years and yeah. somehow only 20 years. <laughs> I know, I know. And he's about as polished as Max Clark. <laughs> yeah. They're similar, really. They're very yeah. similar. It, it, it's are. a good it's a good comparison there. Yeah. Yeah, it is. All right. Um so in some of these other drafts, we've had uh the offspring of some very famous major leaguers. Um this year the offspring were there. Um, they just weren't necessarily famous major leaguers. Uh, <laughs> you have Jacob Wilson at uh, number six. And then my guy for the Padres, Homer Bush Jr. too. I don't know if we'll get to him today. But Jacob hmm. Wilson, definitely a uh, real world first prospect over fantasy. Um, mm-hmm. But you're going to see him, you know, he's the number six overall pick. Uh, does he even make the top 100 list for you, Sean, right now? Probably not. Yeah, probably not. I agree. Um, what about you, Nate? Nah, no. I loved his dad. I used to love watching Jack Wilson play short. Um, but as far as, uh, yeah, I, I don't see it. Quick story time. Please. Mm-hmm. I, I first met uh, Jacob when he was in, I believe, seventh or eighth grade. On a travel ball team, at the infield included Rock Riggio and Max Muncy. <laughs> no way! <laughs> wow. To say that team was stacked is an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You hear these stories now with these travel ball teams and like relocate. How easy it is to transfer high schools now. Like when I was young, mm-hmm. you couldn't transfer high schools. Like no, it was like really bad to transfer. You, I mean, very hard. <laughs> now it's a piece of cake as a teacher and seeing that too and like. It's very easy. So some of these teams are just ridiculous. Yeah. yeah so uh, Wilson actually joins uh, Muncie in the with the A's, and I believe they actually shared both travel team and high school infields. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, that's a that's a nice insider stat for everybody right there. Maybe a little uh, Keystone connection. What about Nate? Can I interest you in like Cole Young or Jacob Wilson? Cole Young. What, and if you disagree, Sean, you let me know. Um, I'm just going to assume that's kind of the same for you. Um, what about Edwin Arroyo or Jacob Wilson? Nate. Arroyo. Arroyo still. Sean, agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I like, he again, like you said, he's the real world versus the fantasy side of things. Jacob Wilson is a very going to be a very good Real world shortstop. He's not going to put up the numbers. Um, I'm going to say something similar about the next guy uh, in the draft, which might surprise some people. But yeah, he's to me, he's not going to be a, a fantasy target. He's going to be a guy who's going to make the A's a better team. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's yep. what the A's need. So good for them. Yeah, um, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> all right, let's move on to uh, some more college players here with uh, Chase Dolander. Uh, getting popped, unfortunately, to the Colorado Rockies, um, at number nine. But still, um, what do you think, Sean? Is he is he a top 100 guy for you? Off of 2023, the answer is absolutely not. Um, his he had a great slider uh, in 2022. He messed with it a little bit going into last year. He lost command of all of his change, his pitches. His slider just wasn't as sharp. 
the fastball wasn't a true plus fastball for me. Um, I was really down on Dolander. I say that and I bring him 12. So it's not like crazy down, but to me, it was a guy who, if he comes more as the pitcher that he was in 2022, um, then he will be in the top 100 before too long. But as out of the jump, I, I don't think he belongs anywhere near it. This is kind of crazy. Is there another guy that's going to crack our top 100, you think, in the draft, Sean? No. Um, to me, there's not. Uh, yeah. It was a clear-cut top five. Um, one of the guys I was just kind of referencing, Rhett Louder, who went um, seven to the Reds because they need more quality young players. Uh, he is a guy who is, again, a much better real-life pitcher than he is a fantasy player. Wake Forest fans can yell at me all they want. I love Rhett Lauer. He had great strikeout numbers at Wake Forest. He's not going to have that in professional baseball. He's a pitch-to-contact guy. He's going to be an excellent number two, number three pitcher. He's not going to be the ace. He's not going to be the big, uh, shiny numbers. To me, the guy who I actually love as a potential top 100 guy, but he's nowhere near it right now as far as upside, is going to be a guy who went all the way down to 24, Hurston Waldrop. He is, yeah. outside of Skeens, the only, the only guy who has true ace upside for me. There is a ton of risk for a college uh, arm, but he's the only guy for me who has genuine ace upside. Yeah, well, that's that's fantastic to hear as a Braves fan. Um, <laughs> I know. I, uh, I, I, I like I, him, too, a lot. Nate, where we, you, you ding, ding. I was, so Yeah, like I was that. just... I was going to say, I hate, I think I tweeted, I hate the fact that the, that the uh, Braves got Waldrop. Um, I'm right there with Sean. I think he's got a ton of upside. I I love Hurston Waldrop. I couldn't believe he dropped all the way to 24 risk or no risk. I mean, who cares? They're all pitchers. They have, they have all got innings on them. They all throw, you know, a billion miles per hour. So, um, yeah, leave it to the Braves for the, for, for them to have him fall all the way down. And then Waldrop gets an automatic advance, you know, in all of his pitches, all of his uh, mechanics, because he was drafted by the Braves. I mean, there's only a few, um, there's only a few systems out there that can truly elevate what a pitcher already has. And uh, the, the Braves are absolutely on that list. I think it's Cleveland and the Dodgers, and you could have said Houston, maybe still, but and Tampa, and, and then there's some other ones, but those are the big ones, and uh, and the Braves are absolutely up there. Legitimate so, three plus pitches is just about the command, and and he uh, like we talked about skiing earlier in the biggest games, he pitched his best. Yep, um, but in the in, in the um, you know middle of the season, he lost his command he lost his his mechanics and when he does that he really struggles but when he has it all together he's as good as any pitcher not named loud or not named skiing sorry he's a georgia boy too right he transferred from southern miss i don't remember if he's from georgia or not Uh, yeah high school standout from georgia so my god it just like Everybody, all the teams got together and said, hey, Braves, you can have him. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, the I most know, most obvious right? pick now, yeah. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> um, I mean, come on. So, to recap, like, if you have a first-round pick and it's going to fall in the sixth and seventh range, 
might be a good idea to trade that for a top 100 guy. I'm sure you might be able to get that, especially uh, if you shop it around effectively enough. Um, I think the no doubt prospects in the top 100, again, Cruz, Skeens, Langford, no doubt, Clark, Jenkins, no doubt. And then um, we said yeah, Waldrop. I have, a, I have another guy that I'm going to probably fit onto my top 100 list. Um, and it's strictly fantasy wise. And that's Enrique Bradfield um, mm. from Vanderbilt. He is going to steal like Estuary Ruiz type of bases when he gets mm. up. Um, he's a college kid. He plays excellent defense as well. Um, so, and if you look at his stats, like he has some sneaky pop too, where like maybe 10 home runs and like 40 stolen bases, something like that. Fantasy wise, you're going to really enjoy him on your team. And for a top 100 fantasy focus list, I think I'm going to fit him on there. What do you guys think? I don't disagree whatsoever. I actually think even in you know, real life baseball versus fantasy baseball, I think the, the bigger bases, the, the pickup limits also help him. He's going to steal even more of the focus. I think that he's a great fit. I, um, I actually was pretty high on him on my list. Where did I put him? I had him 14. Uh, overall, he ends up going to the Orioles at 17. So it's, you know, same range. Uh, but yeah, I think he's he's going to steal a ton of bases. To me, he has was unquestioned the best speed in the draft and was the second best defensive player in the draft. Uh, 100% agree. If you want the discount, Enrique Bradfield, um, just did my top 50 list for the Padres. Uh, Dylan Head, he's the high school version of Enrique Bradfield. They're like clones. So if you don't mind waiting a little bit longer, you can get him probably, I would imagine, like third round of first-year player drafts. Um, so on that topic, Dylan Head, absolutely love him. I know it's Padres fans will love to hear this. Um, the Dodgers were really high on him. The Dylan, oh. Head, Dylan oh. Head goes to the Padres, and then the Dodgers took the yeah uh, the the discount version of Dylan yeah. Head with Kendall Dylan George Head Junior. <laughs> Dylan yep. Head Junior. God. With Ken, with on. Kendall George, so you know Dylan Head's the high school version of Enrique Bradfield, and Kendall George is the light version of both of those guys. <laughs> ends up falling to the Dodgers. Yeah. Hmm. Man, look at that stinks. Like everybody's stealing fifteen to twenty bases. But not everybody is stealing like the 40 to 50 bases, and that is still ultra valuable with rule changes or not. So fantasy wise, you have to get that somehow and you don't want to get it at the major league level because I've tried to trade for Estri Ruiz as he was a professional. It's just impossible. Like the things you have to give up just to get stolen bases <laughs> is pretty insane. Similar to saves. Try to get these guys before. So um, I, I'll have no problem putting them into the top. 100 list for me. Yeah, um, those, those single guy, you know, uh, category winners for you. He's one of them. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. It's worth it, even if nothing else is really great. But you know, with the runs come along with it and stuff like that. Um, who who else do you got that's close to the top 100, Sean? As we kind of take a step back and look at the draft as a whole, um, anybody down there that maybe got floated down? Um, names that we should keep an eye on that you would take. Um, high in first-year player drafts? Uh, here's a name to keep an eye on. Uh, he really improved his approach at the plate uh, throughout his college year career and ended up hitting over 400 this last year. Yo-Yo um, Morales uh, out of Miami goes to, I believe, the Nationals in their second pick. Yep, uh, uh, 
Yo-Yo Morales has legitimate power. You know, 6'4", 225, every bit of it plays a, a quality third base. Um, that dude uh, has top 100 upside. Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see their third-round pick, Travis Acora, be a top 100 guy in the future, not anytime soon. But another guy who's just big and toolsy uh, on the mound. Uh, but, uh, yeah, for me, I, I really like the, the upside of Yo-Yo Morales. Um, Sean, uh, Yo-Yo was uh, one of those guys who was on the cusp out of high school in the 2020 draft, was mm. he not? He sure was, yeah. Again, one of those guys who just made this draft even stronger than it would have been otherwise. Yep, and now he's three years older, and my God, what a monster that guy and, is. Huh? And and if you look at his stats, I, you know, buy some time while I pull it up, but he, he genuinely improved all three years at Miami. Um to the point where he ended up hitting over 400 this year, I do believe, and I've got it up now. He went from hitting 284 to 329 to 408. Like, th- there's legitimate wow. improvements while hitting 11, 18, and 20 home runs. So he improved yep. his uh, his approach at the plate, his, his average improved, his slugging improved. Like, everything improved, and it all came from that eye at the plate. The approach at the plate allowed him to tap into his power even more. 6'4", 225 at mm-hmm. third. Forget about it. He's a beast. All right. One one last thing I wanted to do here because more of a fun exercise than anything, but I love bloodlines. And Nate, I know you like bloodlines too, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have any. AKA, I just want to talk about my Padres pick. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to mention a few of the names here. So there's Miles Naylor, who is yes. the third of the Naylor brothers. Which That's the Guardians dropped the ball not getting him. Yeah, seriously. Yep. Um, then, of course, you, you're talking about Homer Bush Jr. Mm-hmm. We also have <laughs> Jake Geloff, who we mentioned earlier. And mm-hmm. we have Braves legend George Lombard's kid, George Lombard Jr. <laughs> um, yeah, not the greatest major leaguers in terms of bloodlines. Um, yeah, like Jack Sunday. Wilson. And then Jack Wilson, of course, the Jacob Wilson who we mentioned already. I might be forgetting some other ones. I didn't go super deep after the like the top 100 guys but any of those guys interesting enough um i'm sure they'll get picked because of their names in a lot of your first year player drafts but uh, sean anything to tell us about any of those guys pick who you want you don't have to talk about them all i, I mean i can run touch on them quickly uh one geloff is it just like his brother i think he, you know it's easy to, you can easily argue that he's actually better than his brother at this point in time um to the dodgers but- Dodgers draft I wouldn't have loved. Um, like it, I didn't love how it went. However, if they would have gone um, Geloff first and then came back around, I, mm-hmm. I would have been fine with it. But the, just the order I didn't like. But the players mm-hmm. fit just fine. Um, mm-hmm. You know, let's see here. Homer Bush Jr., quality defender. He's another guy who's going to steal you plenty of bases. Um, Help me out. I'm blanking on some of the other names you think. Miles Naylor. Miles Naylor. I mean, and, and George could, Lombard Jr. were the other. Could, the, could there be three different body types and, and, and profiles yeah, between the, the Naylor brothers? If you look at their faces, they are no doubt brothers. Yeah. But my goodness, oh, it's a yeah. it's a corner guy, a mouth the middle guy, and a catcher. How it worked out, I don't know. Um, I, I love the. But. Uh, Josh Naylor is one of my favorite guys I've ever been around when I was in, around mm. in the Fall League. The family's Jeez. just a ton of fun. Uh, I think he sticks at shortstop. Maybe he has to move over to third. 
power first, doesn't really not most most athletic guy. Um, so he could end up being a corner guy. And then Lombard, you know, you, you joked about the the Braves legend, but he was he is uh, Lombard senior is current bench coach for the Tigers, and that shows in George Lombard's game. He is a very polished player. Um, I think he's a high school guy who can move kind of quickly, just because he he has a ton of polish to his game. Six three one ninety, and there's some room to grow. Yeah. yeah, I remember George Lombard being like a prospect for the Braves, and I was excited. I was always he never quite developed, but maybe uh, the son can learn from some of the mistakes. Was there were there any other bloodlines that I missed? I'm looking through. I didn't see anything. Not that else. I not that I saw. Interesting. Not yeah, not not really as far as big league bloodlines. A lot of minor league bloodlines, but not big league blood, uh, bloodlines. Sure. <laughs> Oh, here's one for you. Here's a random throw out there. Uh, you got the um, the Los Angeles Angels going in the let's see what round was this? The 14th round got the twin brother of Angels current reliever Ben Joyce. They took Zach Joyce, twin brother of Ben <laughs> Joyce. Wow, there's some bloodlines for you, folks. <laughs> and the Angels took him. Angels yeah. took him. I swear. <laughs> Zach, took two, Zach took two years off of baseball, uh, but he still touches. He's been up to 98, so not quite uh, <laughs> not quite Ben Joyce, but but uh, that's a decent fastball. Yeah. yeah. It's like Madden when you just draft guys. You're like, oh, that's a funny <laughs> name. Or like, I recognize <laughs> that guy out of like everybody else. And remember when it was 50 rounds and like, I, I don't know how they knew. <laughs> Mike, oh, Mike Piazza was drafted as a favorite. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. he was. Yes, he was. So, all right, fantastic stuff, guys. It's uh, it's a top-heavy draft, fantasy-wise for sure. But what you really want to do, and Nate with Dalton rushing that type of guy, you mm-hmm. want to take a look at their debuts because there's still a ton of talent here that can get into that top 100 by the end of the year. So if you're doing your first-year player drafts now, you got to make that decision. But if you're kind of like, I think I would say the majority of leagues and you're doing it in the off season, definitely take, take a look at these debuts, jump on those guys that, you know, Dalton rushing to go back to him was behind Henry Davis, had a good one year there and um, had a huge debut. And then it's just continued. So that's the guys that, you know, don't be afraid to move them up quickly, but hopefully we're able to help out, um, those guys in terms of where they slot on top 100 list. I haven't seen any publication rank them yet. Like officially, I don't know if, if you guys have seen it or not, but like the big no, ones, they still are all like, they, they haven't added them on there. So it'd be interesting. Hopefully this is your first taste of, uh, of that. Um, I, let me, you know, let me drop four names just to kind of keep in the back of the mind. Please, Yeah. Let's that? do that. That sounds yeah, good. I was, I was wanting to do that also. So after Shawnee, if you don't mind. Yeah. So Jacob Gonzalez, Proven track record in college. He slips to the White Sox. There's plenty of questions on him, but the bat is real. Um, not a top 100 guy, but he's a guy who could be there before too long. Arjun Namala, who goes to Toronto, is as toolsy a kid as there is. Um, in terms of pure visual, um, I comp his swing to a lot of Mookie Betts, just kind of that hop and that finish ready to go. I, I really like him. Um, Kyle Teal, he's not the first catcher drafted, but I think he's the top catching prospect. Um, and then you can't, don't sleep on Bryce Eldridge who went to San Francisco. Um, 
he would have been the a top ten uh, high school bat in this draft he, if he was a bat only. He would have been a top five arm prep arm in this class if he was an arm only. He is both. He's a legitimate uh, two way guy. Maybe the only guy who actually sticks in this class as a two way guy. I could see him being a guy who does make the big leagues as a two way player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, six seven. Six seven two twenty three out of high school. Yeah. The Giants are ha- trying to find uh, the next Otani. They have a couple of guys. <laughs> They're dying. They're dying. And that, to do that. that's six seven two. That's that body. He actually commands his body really well, both at the plate and on mm-hmm. the mound. It's it's repeatable. It's athletic. It, it's it's legit. Yeah. Um. Well, uh, Nate, I know you you got some guys too. I'm coming back to you, but uh, we'll do no another. Problem. One where we sort of rank these guys for first year player drafts, but we'll save that I think till the near um, the end of the year because that's going to change a lot when these guys make their debuts. But Nate, mm-hmm. a couple of your names yeah. and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a few I'm players, just you know. I'm just gonna piggyback on uh, Sean. Uh, he he definitely hit one of my big ones, and that's Arjun uh, Namala um, out of Strawberry Crest High School in Florida. Went all the way down to number twenty overall. Uh, fell to the uh, Blue Jays. So um, th- he signed today, I believe, or maybe yesterday. For um, about 700000 under slot. I yeah, love under. To, to get Landon Marutis later on, it was an excellent draft for the Blue Jays just with those two. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you got to love the kid's makeup. I mean, he's coming out of high school and he takes 750 off of his uh, off of his bonus. I mean, that's that says something to me personally. And uh, and I love I love his tools. Um, oh, Brock Wilkin, that big old third baseman for Wake Forest. Man, oh man, that kid's power is unreal. 6'4", 225, stone cold killer. When and, that uh, pick was made, I sent the uh, former co-host of this draft, uh, David Gasper, and Matt, and the message saying they're going to go ahead and need to reinforce the slide there in left field. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no no doubt. Um, Dude is a beast. Um, to think that they have him and uh, uh, what's his name, that other monster, um, Joey Weimer, in the same lineup at one point in time, that's going to be nuts. Um, so, yeah, those were my two that really stuck out. Uh, I also love uh, uh, Geloff for the Dodgers. Um, yeah, that's it. Thanks, guys. <laughs> um, and I just have one guy to mention. I really liked Aiden Miller. Um, I thought he has a pretty well-rounded game for a, for a high school guy. He would be the one guy that we have not yet mentioned that I would, I would probably have on my, to watch. I'm very interested in to see, um, how he goes on, but yeah, we mentioned a lot of names there. So I think that's going to do it for us. Sean, appreciate coming on. I know that was a busy time of year for you. Um, but are you working on anything now that uh, we should know about and, uh, where can people find you on Twitter to get the yeah. best draft guy in the business? Of course, so uh, Sean Kernahan. I'm sure you'll put my spelling in the uh, in the info here on this one. Um, right after signing deadline, so right around August 1st, uh, I'll do a full recap. Um, American League, National League. I'll do my favorite pick, pick my favorite pick, my least favorite pick, a sleeper and a deep sleeper for each team. Uh, sleeper is usually a guy on day two. Deep sleeper usually a guy on day three or undrafted. Um, and then uh, then it turns to fall, and uh, you'll see some. 2024 list coming out in the fall yeah beautiful beautiful it is it is truly beautiful work that you do 
Uh, Sean, I appreciate you coming on to the podcast. It's such a, you could, we could just go on for days. So we'll have to have you on again when we sort of rank all these guys. Mm-hmm. First year player draft, we'll get into a, a deeper look at some of the other names that we didn't touch on today. But boys, good to be back. Um, mm. It was a fun episode. Lots to talk about too. Um, and other areas of, you know, who's signing, where these guys going to get assigned to. Um, are the Rangers going to do what I want them to do and call up Langford right away <laughs> to the playoffs? <laughs> do it, guys. This year. Just do it. <laughs> Just do um, it. Yeah, fantastic. All right. Uh, definitely check out Prospects 1500. We have those top 50 updated lists uh, being released right now in the next couple of weeks. So check them out. You won't see the in-depth um, blurbs like you do at the beginning of the year and at the end of the year. But they all are updated, which is very nice um, right now with I, I don't know if everybody's doing it. So don't kill me. I know I did it. But um, having the drafted guys on there, um, Nate, mm-hmm. did you you added yours? I'm assuming. Oh, yeah. Did, yep. You did. I did. Awesome. Uh, so that's going to be interesting to see where they slot. That's worth a look to see everybody and uh, kind of where these guys rank now. Um, but that's going to do it for us here at Futures Focus. Nate Eckert. Sean Kernahan joining me, Alex Sanchez. Again, thank you guys for the patience, the understanding. It means a lot. Um, a lot of great support at Prospects 1500, especially Scott Green, who was very, very supportive. Um, if you would like to support my my dad uh, in any way, uh, you could donate to the City of Hope Cancer Research Center. Um, just look it up online. You can find that. That was sort of... Uh, something that he was really fun and he did have cancer. He did not die of cancer, but uh, he did go through lymphoma twice in the city of hope. Uh, I know you probably Mm. know city of hope, Nate down here in Southern California, but a fantastic Mm -hmm. cutting edge research center for cancer because cancer freaking sucks. Um, And I know we've all um, dealt with that in one way or the other. So let's get rid of cancer. Um, That donation would be awesome and would mean a lot to me. So again, we'll be back here regularly. It's good to be back. Futures Focus. We'll see you next week.